And we're live. Uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, appreciate you joining in tonight on this Thursday edition of CABC. And uh, obviously, got my uh, cohort, Mr. Garcia, with me tonight. Uh, if you're new to the channel, you know, how you doing, man? You've been, uh, look like you have a change of scenery. Yes, and the great warmth of New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, enjoying these couple of days off of work. About to go back to work tomorrow. So good. That's really good. Yep. Um. So tonight we're gonna do some recruiting talk. Uh, got a official visitor this weekend at, in Tuscaloosa. Um. But before getting to all that, if you're new to the show, please uh go ahead and subscribe. To the channel, you'll get, uh, you know, we try to put out good content for you guys. Uh, click the notification bell, get notified every time we post stuff, every time we go live. So, yes, sir. Um, which is going to be more. Well, it's going to be more. You know, we told y'all we were going to yes. be more, told y'all we we're going to be better goal. at it, and uh, we're working on being better at it. So, here we are for the second time in less than seven days. So, getting there. So, uh, yeah. It. Uh, official visitor weekend. They have an official visitor this weekend. Um, kind of one of the late risers after early signing day. Uh, and it's Rake Straw, uh, corner from Duncanville. Um, you know, uh, if you could, if you could just, uh, maybe give you, give a little insight of, uh, into Mr. Rake Straw since he is kind of one of the late risers here. Absolutely. Cornerback out of Texas, as, as Kevin said, six foot, 175 pounds or so. As you see the graphic up there, uh, this is what Ennis tweeted out, uh, I believe, yesterday or today. Uh, basically, he's the headliner. It's all about him this weekend in Tuscaloosa. Uh, another long and lean cornerback prospect. And like Kevin said, a late riser. Really, the last month or so has been sort of where he's been at home uh, in terms of adding offers, setting up visits. And it's pretty much become a blitz of SEC programs mixed in with in-state programs. So Missouri got him on campus last weekend for an official. He enjoyed it. Bama's got this weekend. Texas has the final weekend. So obviously the Longhorns in position to get that final visit to maybe keep Ennis home. Uh, but Nick Saban was, was in Duncanville this week ahead of the official visit, which is always sort of an indicator of confidence to me. I think if Nick goes – earlier he feels a little bit better the later he goes he he's tr sort of positioning himself for sort for sort of that hey i need to be here to close this thing out but if, if, if saban goes ahead of time and then you go to tuscaloosa typically things are in pretty good shape and i do think at this point alabama is the favorite for ennis but again texas coming on late they have a revamped defensive staff so i'm sure he's eager to meet uh, chris ash and those guys just to see what'll be different about uh, playing in Austin compared to, to what he thought leading up uh, to the new year. But, of course, at Alabama, everything's status quo, which is weird to say. This time of year, usually there's some, some big turnover and huge coaching movement. And, and really with Alabama, it, it's just sort of one position, right, defensive line. Um, Baker moves off the field. Freddie Roach comes in from, from Ole Miss, of course, an Alabama, former Alabama player a guy who is just beloved in the state of Alabama and really by recruits everywhere. He's one of the sort of unanimous coaches we we hear about in terms of positive vibes from kids. And, and Freddie's 
won some big recruiting battles in the state of Alabama for to get kids to leave the state. So the natural thought is, man, imagine if he's recruiting to keep kids in the state, uh, much like he did. So I do think that's a huge move in, in the positive direction for Alabama recruiting. But really, that's it in terms of shuffle on the coaching staff. You know, Burton Burns off the field has departed, yes. But everything else is is is, is relatively quiet on the coaching front for Alabama, which has enabled the coaches to really evaluate and, and play aggressively down the stretch. And that's why a kid like Ennis Rakestraw got an offer from Bama before Texas, before a lot of big schools in on his list, even though everybody's sort of late to the party here. Uh, he helped them go 15-1 this year. Uh, he was the, the Dallas Morning News player of the year. So if you're the best defensive player in, in, in Dallas, then that's a pretty good start to any sort of evaluation. But Ennis projects like many of the Alabama corners were used to evaluating Again, six foot, long, lean, great instincts. I think that that's sort of his best quality. I don't know if he's elite technically or or athletically, but his instincts are there, um, especially with the ball skills. And really, again, we talk about this more and more as we get deeper into the spread ball era. It's about ball skills and turnovers. So you're almost compensating uh, for a lack of polish with guys who can attack the football. Um, that's that's what football is about nowadays. I mean, the best defenses in the country are still giving up 30 points, 40 points to LSU, right? So it's about turning the ball over, winning third down, and long defensive backs to help get that job done. So easy to see why Ennis is such a late riser uh, and really one of the priorities Alabama zeroed in on uh, this time of year and, and definitely the headliner coming in this weekend. Bama had a huge weekend last weekend with junior days mixed in with um, official visits. Uh, McKinley Jackson was there on an unofficial visit. Of course, he already took his official to Bama in the fall, um, but it was about getting some other kids on campus as well. But this weekend, more about young guys and Ennis Rakestraw as the headliner in terms of older guys, class of 2020 guys. He's looking at a signing day decision. Again, Alabama, Mizzou, Texas looks like the final three I think Alabama is is the favorite right now before the visit, which is always uh, an ideal position to be in. So I, I could see him being one of the last couple of additions to this uh, class of 2020. Again, not many spots left, but we do know defensive back is, is something that, that Nick Saban would like to address one more time before uh, February 5th. So uh, if I was still making crystal ball picks, if they let me, I would crystal ball Ennis Rakestraw to Alabama at this point. I would have done it before Saban even visited. He's been really excited about it. He's even shuffled his visits around to accommodate Bama, Texas, sort of as his final grouping. And that's who I expected to come down to, sort of a classic, do I stay home or do I bounce for, you know, a, a business decision, which has always been a kind phrase to Alabama and Alabama fans. So uh, I do think that's really positive for the Crimson Tide. And again, being the headliner on the visit, I think is smart too. If McKinley Jackson was there, I think some of the defensive staff would default to him. But with Ennis being the guy, I think all hands will be on deck um, for Ennis Rakestraw from Saban all the way on down. Even though the junior day visitor list is getting pretty spicy as well. But for the sake of this pod, we'll focus on the seniors with signing day a mere uh, 13 days away. It feels like yesterday we, we did a signing day show for the early signing period, but the final one, just 13 days away. And at this point, I would expect Ennis to ink crimson instead of burnt orange or what is the Missouri yellow, Kev? It's like um, it's like, a, like a off yellow. Yeah, 
Like I, want, I almost said Mays, but that's freaking Michigan. That's Michigan. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, but the, the the guy like um, you talk about Rake Straw. I mean the the junior, the five star, the five star offensive tackle Mims uh, from Georgia. He is a uh, Marius Mims monster. Yeah. He um he'll be on he'll be there. He's twenty twenty one, five star offensive tackle, um with the offensive line group that's so far on the list this year. Uh, looking forward to next year, uh, maybe trying to reload that offensive line group. Um, yeah, no doubt. Bama's going smaller this year. Just three yeah. guys committed. Uh, maybe Jason Jones thrown in there. They've they've uh, tried to shoot their shot with a couple of guys who are committed elsewhere. Cedric Grand Pran, the Georgia commitment was on campus last weekend. Um, uncommitted offensive lineman Marcus Henderson may visit. Um, he was at Ole Miss last weekend, and I think that they're in a good position right now. Uh, he's a Tennessee kid, so that Ole Miss connection in North Mississippi is right there in terms of location. Um, so I do think that. Uh, Bama's going to go light no matter what on the offensive line. Even if it adds one more, this is one of the smaller O-line groups we've seen Saban take in, at least from guys who are currently projected to play offensive line. Currently projected. Currently projected. Currently projected. Hey, Jason Jones is going to Oregon this weekend, so if that green line is there. I saw that. uh, Yeah, that could be a thing. I mean, I don't know how that – I don't know. Anyway. Speaking of offensive line, real quick, how about Illinois is getting Broderick Jones on campus for an official? Don't know how, don't know why, but that's amazing. Lovey Smith still got some juice, man. Good for Illinois. He's, yeah, he still got some juice because that's that's a war, a literal war. That's that's like Javian Cohen between Alabama and Auburn. That's a war between Auburn and Georgia for Broderick Jones. Um, at Auburn, he starts day one. At Georgia, he competes day one. Um, but lo and behold, he's headed up to the Midwest today. Kid, kid from the state of Georgia. It's uh, it's one of the, the sort of funnier side notes. But, hey, you got to start somewhere if you're Illinois. You got to get them on campus first. And, and they, they check that box. So maybe they pull off the shocker of the year. It, this would be more shocking than George Pickens going to Georgia. Uh, this would be one of the bigger shocks and a huge crushing blow to, to the SEC uh, in terms of Auburn and Georgia. I mean, Auburn, that's that's the priority just beyond any measure. So if you're rooting against Auburn, which I assume most of our viewers are, you're uh, you're rooting for Roderick Jones to go to the Big Ten or or stick with, with the Bulldogs. But, of course, you know, Bama's going to have to deal with that as well. So, uh, you know, handle that as you may. He was at Arkansas last weekend, too, Sam Pittman, still uh, – still a, a big influencer in his recruitment. So that's that's a weird one. It's, it's a funky official visit weekend. Uh, some potential flips out there. Uh, Florida's got a big official visit weekend. A lot of prospects. They've, they, they sort of punted on last weekend to push kids towards this weekend. Uh, so the SEC will be very interesting. Um, LSU's got big kids coming to town as usual. They actually have a lot of spots left. So the SEC is going to have some twists and turns here late in the game, but uh, in terms of catching Clemson, it's really just Alabama and Georgia. For Bama, I think they'd have to get McKinley Jackson and Rake Straw, maybe one other kid. Uh, and in terms of Georgia, they have to basically hold on to Broderick Jones and add a couple of prospects late in the game, maybe an Avante Williams uh, DB out of Florida uh, who, who's high on the Bulldogs right now. So basically Bama or Georgia have to hit almost perfectly the next 13 days 
to catch Clemson, who is, is bringing in their best class ever, which is amazing to think about. Yeah, it's, I mean, that class is pretty scary. But uh, we got some people in the chat. Our longtime listener, Gelato, thing asks, uh, how you think Freddie Roach will do? And then, obviously, it goes from there. And, you know, does, with, does Roach bring in McKinney Jackson? And, um, you know, kind of how does how do you see that playing out? Um, yeah, I mean, people, I guess, conventionally – so McKinley Jackson was always thought of as this big-name recruit. He, he rose to the scene as, like, a freshman, sophomore, as this big kid, and, he, and it was always like, man, just wait till he gets some technique and, and does X, Y, Z. And then sort of like it usually happens, the guys who rose later, who had the later growth spurts uh, and came onto the scene later, got more coverage, right? The Jalen Carters of the world. Heck, for Bama – Tim Smith, guys like that who who in the last 12 months have sort of made their name on the defensive interior, sort of passed McKinley by uh, in terms of buzz. And But at that point, Ole Miss was a major, major player for McKinley, and, and not a lot of people knew about it. Matt Luke, the head coach there, he's a Gulf Coast Mississippi guy, really tied in with McKinley. That was big. And then Freddie Roach sort of being the secondary for him uh, after Matt Luke was also big for Ole Miss. And there was a sense that if he stayed home, if he stayed in the state, it was absolutely going to be Ole Miss over Mississippi State. Of course, both of those teams have switched coaching staffs and basically don't care about recruiting the state of Mississippi like they once did. So, you know, Lane Kiffin's pulling kids from D.C. and California and Florida. And, and of course, Mr. Leach is going to be pulling kids from all over, although he did spend this week recruiting the state of Mississippi. So I do think Mississippi State will prioritize it a little bit more. But either way, McKinley Jackson wasn't going there. So Freddie Roach was a big part of that early on. Uh, but Bama was always there with Jackson, even before Roach came over. As I mentioned, he took the official in September. Um, Bama's been by his school, uh, and Roach is now on this side of the coin. Roach was recruiting in the state uh, this past week already, even though I still – don't think he's been officially announced, but um, again, that's that's all been confirmed. So I do think Freddie helps in a big way with McKinley. And those who know Freddie, I've spoken to him a few times. He is very believable. And I think in recruiting, it's maybe talked about a, a not enough. There's always, oh, well, he's telling me X, Y, Z about my plan, or he's telling me X, Y, Z about the guys he's developing. When, when you talk to Freddie, he sort of you're sort of dialed in. Like there's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of fluff in dealing with him. He's old school in that way. Uh, he doesn't feel like a used car salesman. He's a younger guy, absolutely relatable uh, to kids. Um, and then when you look at his resume, he's actually developed his fair amount of NFL guys who were much less talented than the McKinley Jacksons and Tim Smiths of the world that he would theoretically be working with at Alabama. He's turned some of those two and three star and Juco guys into NFL guys. So I do think um, that his coaching resume is just as good as his recruiting resume, which is what sort of everybody defaults to. But in terms of McKinley Jackson, there is zero doubt that this Freddie Roach hire is huge for that. And if Bama does land him and holds off LSU, which is probably the main competition, Freddie Roach will be a, a big reason why. Uh, Pete Golding recruits Mississippi, also a major influencer there. So keeping him in his position, as I said at the top, um, that lack of turnover at Alabama is a good thing. I think you're going to see a better close because of it. Um, and, and I think that was important too. And then obviously Nick Saban as sort of the closer there. Uh, I think he maybe waits to go, to go say what up to McKinley one more time, but Roach 
absolutely helps. And I, uh, again, that one's a, a toss up. I think it's Bama LSU, uh, A&M's in it. Georgia's trying to get in it. Ole Miss and Mississippi State try to get back in it. Uh, but that one does feel like sort of Bama LSU at this point. Uh, and it's a toss up. They both need him. They both got a lot of turnover on the D line. He's seen both plenty on his own dime and uh, officially here soon. So that was a little too close to call for me, but um, Bama's positioning itself about as well as it could at this stage of the game. Yeah. I think, you know, we'll see what Roche can do down the stretch. And I, I like the, the point you brought up, the the lack of turnover in the coaching staff this year. Obviously, last year we saw the mass exodus of everybody. I mean, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I mean, just – Mass exodus of everybody last year. I think that this year, um, the, the the lack of coaches leaving and the lack of turnover will really help them down the line. Um, think about it. I mean, you were recruited, Kev, right? It's like imagine yeah. imagine if, if your future position coach was going to bolt, you know, 10 days before you signed or a coordinator, yeah. you know, I mean, and in some of these schools, the head coaches are are new. I mean, Dave Aranda just had his press conference like two days ago at Baylor. I mean, that thing is is brand brand new. So uh, it's it's kind of wild uh, when you think about it with with what Bama has had to deal with pretty much every year under Nick. So this is definitely a different feel. And heck, Bama on the field wasn't as good. So on top of all that, Bama got a head start in this sort of closing period of recruiting. Uh, so it enabled them to to have a little bit better chance to hold on to guys in the early signing period. Remember, Tim Smith had visited Florida like seven times, and he's from Florida. That was a major win for Alabama to hold on uh, to him. There were a couple of other prospects. Trayshawn Holden was a guy other schools uh, targeted. Bryce Young, there was a little tiny bit of USC buzz there late in the game. So that extra time from, from losing the Iron Bowl and not getting to Atlanta, as much as it may hurt some of our listeners, um, that helped in recruiting in terms of timing to relay those messages early on. Hey, we do have our staff in place. And remember, there was some Sarkeesian Mississippi State buzz for a while there. Um, so all of those sort of boxes being checked really helped Alabama um, really the only turnover again on the defensive line. And, and that's something that was obviously, um, you know, that was Saban initiated. It wasn't poaching, you know? So even if they had a great relationship with that, that position coach, he's still there. He's just not in the same role. So I think that's where Burton Burns helped a lot uh, over the years as sort of an off field guy. Uh, so we'll see if that that's the case on this side of the coin, but there's no doubt that Freddie Roach is an enhancement of that. So if that's your only turnover, it's got to be a, a good sign for your closing, and that's why Alabama's number two in the rankings and, and really is one of two teams with a chance at number one. And right now, if you had to bet on Rakestraw and Jackson jumping in, I think that's a solid bet at this point. Um, you're still shooting your shot with some other guys as well, Alfred Collins. Um, there's another D-lineman in Texas whose name escapes me. Bama's trying to address D-line as much as they can here down the stretch. So if you can, uh, if you can add one or two of those guys – I think you got a, a decent chance, especially because we know Clemson is done. We know Clemson is at 23 commitments. They're good to go. They're working on 2021. They're going to get a premier pass rusher on Saturday in 2021. Um, they're, they got a huge junior day Saturday. They've completely moved on. So 
you can only close that gap and eventually uh, threaten to overtake Clemson at this point. So really it depends on on, on that and, and how well Georgia does. If Georgia goes perfect down the stretch, and heck, they're even talking about being back in it with Zach Evans, which is insane to me, uh, but that's recruiting, right? <laughs> Zach Evans is like, I signed with Georgia, and then he said all week at Under Armour he signed Georgia, and then after the game, he or during the game, he apologizes with Dion in a very awkward moment. Uh, after the game, he's like, I can't really talk about it. And then it's pretty much assumed that he signed with Georgia for whatever reason, publicly. Georgia didn't send in the LOI. So then every school comes up, Ohio State, Florida State, Florida, um, LSU, A&M, Tennessee. Uh, and now it might cycle all the way back to Georgia, uh, which is I don't yeah. even know how to think about that. But that that's the Zach Evans recruitment. But in terms of the rankings, if they had a five-star running back, uh, they hold off uh, on the flip attempt of Broderick Jones and Cedric Van Pran. They get a guy like Avante Williams. They already got the you know the premier quarterback in the transfer portal in Jamie Newman. So uh, they're going to have a shot because now transfers are going to factor into those rankings. At least they do for me at SI All-American. Um, now, all of a sudden, Georgia's got a legitimate shot. But that's a lot of dominoes that have to fall Georgia's way, including the, the biggest – question mark in the class uh in terms of recruiting with with zach evans yeah let's not uh let's not just speed past that transfer portal news like nothing's happened here in the last couple of days with transfer portal because obviously well, heating up man and I mean, jerry williams is back in that thing yeah i mean well me, me and you me and you talking about lsu needs a needs a guy out of the portal and we're like gotta be derrick king it's gotta be derrick king and then man that was that was huge <laughs> Visits Miami once. I don't even think he takes his trip to Maryland that he had scheduled. And now, now Jaron Williams is in the transfer portal. Uh, I'm sure Tate Martell will be in the transfer portal in not too long. Um, I mean, good God. I mean, well, now he's got a chance to be the backup, though. So why would he bolt? Why would you want? Why Tate Martell's not a backup. Tate Martell doesn't think he's. He doesn't think he's going to start, does he? Uh, no, start but, Miami with King. No, but Tay Martell's also not a backup ego either. Like he's not oh, the kid. Different thing. He's not the kid that's going to be like, oh, I'm okay with being the backup. Like, no. Yeah, we've seen. Uh, we've seen QB. If you haven't seen QB one, the documentary, go watch it. You can obviously tell he's not a a backup ego type kid. Um, but yeah. I just when you said transfer portal, I just I mean that's the latest here in the transfer portal is Jaron oh, yeah. Williams in, Derek King out now at Miami or whatever. Right, and there's still some good quarterbacks in there, right? Uh, Chase Bryce is in there, um, Justin Rogers is in there, KJ Costello's in there. Although there's some buzz with Mississippi State there, we we knew Leach was going to have to hit the portal. Maybe it's Costello. I I actually think. There's a couple better fits out there. Personally, I think Bryce would be the guy for me. Uh, hey, if it wasn't if it wasn't Newman, who was the other one? Malik Henry's in the transfer portal again. It's just like at some point, <laughs> like I don't know how he still has. How a many year. colleges is this? I don't know. I, well, I mean, he goes to Florida State. He goes to Independence. Obviously, we've all seen him on Last Chance U. Uh, then he goes to. Uh, he sits out, comes back randomly to Independence in the middle of the year, and then yeah, so up, like the next year. Yeah, the next year comes back and then ends up at Nevada. 
started like a couple games. Yeah, ends up losing the Nevada job, I believe, and now he's back in the transfer portal. So, good luck, kid. The kid, the kid had a hell of an arm, man. But uh, yeah. obviously, you need a little more than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, now Jaron Williams is in the portal. Maybe it'd be. Wouldn't it be funny if LSU got Jaron Williams out of all of this? Yeah. Because you know, then you, I mean, it's crazy. That'd be a, that'd be a battle, Jaron Williams and Miles Brennan. This day and age of college football and this transfer portal is getting crazy. Um, but uh, Gelato asks if do we think that Pete Golding is an elite recruiter? Back kind of tying back into the Bama, uh, like at the Rake Straw coming. You know, do we think we yeah. think Pete Golding is an elite recruiter? Because we all know. Um, you know, the defensive coordinator at Alabama has typically been an elite recruiter. Yeah, is he on the level of those guys? You're talking Pruitt, Lupoy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, no. Like, Lupoy was on a different level than most people. I mean, but I mean, right. do, do you think Golding is elite? Or, I mean, is he I just. Mean, define, define elite. Are we talking top 10 in America among defense coordinators? I would say no. I would say no. Okay. Um, but elite is thrown is thrown around a ton. Um, yeah, how many elite recruiters are on Alabama staff for real? Uh, we know one at the top. Um, <laughs> once you get down after that, I think Sarkeesian's an elite quarterback recruiter, but that's very narrowed. Um, just define elite. I think if you're talking top, if you're talking the true meaning of elite, no, he's not. Yeah, but can he succeed at Alabama with the script A on his chest? under Saban with that defense in place. It's going to have another group of, of early round draft picks this year and probably the first safety off the board is Xavier McKinney. Um, all those things are still in place. Um, so there's no reason for him not to get elite prospects. And Bama has recruited elite prospects year in, year out. And he's been a big part of that of late. And if you get McKinley Jackson, who is the top target um, for Alabama and LSU post early signing period, then Pete Golding's a big a big reason why. So um, is he elite? No. Can he get elite recruits? Yes. Because I think McKinley Jackson's a top 10 defensive tackle, so he would be an elite recruit. Um, Rake Strong campus is going to spend time with him, of course. Um, Golding's, Golding's recruiting territory sort of starts in Mississippi and goes west. Um, so there is a little bit of, of, of Louisiana, Texas in there. So, yeah, I, I would consider him – with the ability to get elite recruits, yes. But is he – I mean, think of those names that we said, right? I mean, Lupoy's in the NFL. Kirby's a head coach. Pruitt's a head coach. Um, you know, can, can he get on those guys' level? Probably not. I don't think he was interviewing for head coaching jobs this offseason. Can he get there? Yeah. At Bama, it takes one good year. And I don't think Pete Golding's at fault for what this defense looked like in 2019. Um, the linebackers were – Half of our half our age, Kev. Like it, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about the losses that that they dealt with. Not to mention Terrell Lewis, LeBron Ray. Um, the secondary was banged up at points. And look, Bama has depth, but against some of these buzzsaw teams, especially LSU, it wasn't going to matter. It just yeah. wasn't going to matter this year. Um, and the two games you lost were were wild and weird and crazy shootouts with LSU and Auburn. Um, with with Kirby Smart calling that defense, do you lose those two games? I don't know. You lose you lose LSU either way, in my opinion, because Kirby got beat 
beat down by LSU uh, with with a better defense this year, right? So um, I don't know how much – I don't know if Gold, Golding is not the best coach on staff, but I don't know if the blame he's received is quite warranted. Um, again, the, my big thing with coaches is who are you going to go get? You yeah. know, these Auburn fans who are talking about firing Gus, who are you going to go get? Yeah, that's with, what, yeah. With, with that personnel, were you going to go get Lane Kiffin at Auburn? Probably not. No. It would have been hilarious. That would have been amazing. But but you probably wouldn't. Mike Leach wouldn't have fit at Auburn. I'm trying to think of guys who took these these new jobs. Uh, David Aranda. Aranda definitely wouldn't have got the call. Auburn Auburn's not going to have a, a defensive head coach like Matt that. Rule. Uh, Rule wouldn't have even interviewed. Um, it's just who would you have gotten at Auburn? Um, Again, it's 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 great to fire the guy as a fan, but you got to think of the next step. Who who in the world is going to replace that guy? Um, so I I just I hesitate with that a little bit, especially with Nick Saban still there, still sharp, still fully engaged. I hesitate with those things to some degree. I don't think it was. I I just think Bama had a problem rushing the passer with four guys. This year, they had to bring pressure. And those linebackers who were used for that weren't as interchangeable as they used to be. Rashawn Evans was not there. Dylan Moses was not there. Um, So it was just even Mac Wilson, who was a good blitzer. I mean, these guys were not there. I don't (laughs) just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, We're just giving Mac being good at something. Hey, NFL linebacker, right? True story. So. I just I do think I think the injuries and the circumstances made it pretty hard on Golding. There was a ton of youth in that front seven, um, and injuries. DJ Dale getting hurt was a big deal that people don't talk about a lot. Anthony Jennings is hurt every game. It feels like he stays in, but he's banged up. Um, so I, I do think that Golding was graded a little harshly by Bama fans, but that's what makes Bama fans great, right? It's a spoiled group who expects. Elite guys at every position. Our DB coaches be elite, linebackers coach, running backs coach. Everybody has to be elite. Um, that's why it's Bama. That's why it's been, you know, the greatest ten-year run I've ever seen um, from a college program. So um, we'll see if they can keep it moving. I think uh, this recruiting class will help pretty much no matter what. And yes, Pete Golding is a part of that. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, he definitely deserves doesn't deserve the the hate that he gets. I think he's a pretty good uh, – he did well with what he was given last year. And like you said, the injuries that occurred. And obviously you lose your you lose your signal caller. I mean – I mean, we defense, said it. I mean, your defense, gonna, your defense is going to struggle. You lose your you lose your signal caller, your defense will struggle. Um, and, they and, you know, I thought they played well for what they were given. And the, the young guys stepped up and played well. Um the freshmen they had stepped up, played well. We saw a lot of Shane Lee and Christian Harris. They played, you know, thought he – Shane Lee was a lot more uh, – he was better in coverage than I thought he was going to be. Um, but, you know, he's, he's not Dylan Moses, and that is what no. that is what it is. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, we got some more stuff in the chat talking about, do you think Jan, uh, Damian Gore, George – is holding off to see what Zach Evans' actions are. They seem, or they say, they seem to say the guys are a package deal like Sanders and Neil last recruiting class. 
Sanders and Neil Package dude, I never heard of that. Um, and I talked to those guys for three years. Um, I, I think the package deal was supposed to be Umstead Sanders and Trey Sanders, and Umstead was at Florida. He has since hit the portal, by the way, uh, with with Trey going to Bama. Um, package deals never work. Also, right? What was it? Marlon Davidson and Mac Wilson were a package deal uh, as high school teammates, and one went to Bama, one went to Auburn. Package deals rarely, rarely, rarely work. Um, Damian George, Zach Evans package deal was there early. It was talked about. Uh, but once George popped to Bama, that sort of quelled down. Uh, Bama signed three running backs. Ain't no way they're going after Zach Evans. First of all, on the field, they have too many running backs, especially with Najee coming back. And off the field, dot, dot, dot. I, I don't, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. I, I think Damian George held off because he has academic question marks. He does have other schools interested. Um, and, and he is a big old, I mean, he's bigger than Jason Jones. Like, he is a massive, massive human being. And I think that limits him athletically. So I do think that's part of the reason Alabama's been recruiting offensive linemen. Um, if they can over-recruit Damian George, I think they would. Uh, again, the, the pool of available linemen right now, not great. It's Henderson. It's Broderick Jones, who's not really considering Alabama. It's Van Pran, who visited, but it's pretty darn solid to Georgia. Jason Jones, Damian George. You know, that, that's kind of it in terms of Alabama's perspective at this point. Um, I do think that George signs with the Crimson Tide. But again, he's got some, some things he's got to finish up on his own academically, him and Javon Baker. So the odds of both of those guys getting into the class when it all wraps up, I do think are fairly low, which is why Bama has, what, 27 verbal commitments? Um, but there's, they're not going to sign. And they're still obviously recruiting more guys so they're not going to sign 30 something guys uh, it's obviously going to be um you know 25 26 27 which means there's got to be guys who are committed now who don't sign and baker jones george uh, those guys are are still sort of on the bubble uh, in my opinion yeah um do you think another one from the chat do you think that uh bama keeps the 2021 quarterback drake may Drake May he dropped like 35 points in hoops uh, last night. So he's stunned like his big bro, Luke May. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't see any reason for Drake May to to end up elsewhere. Now, if Bryce Young comes in and he's the guy from day one and it's like all hail Bryce Young by by October. Could he get cold feet then? Maybe because his path to playing is now two years delayed no matter what. Right if Bryce Young is the guy from the jump. Um, but if, if Mac Jones wins the job, now all of a sudden it's theoretically an open battle the day Jones is done um, after this year, uh, and Drake May is coming in able to battle Bryce Young immediately. Um, so I do think that that battle is going to be important to Drake May if he's looking at depth charts and things like that. But, Kev, you, you're in Carolina. Luke May at UNC – wasn't he sort of a reserve guy for a couple of years before he really became the guy at Carolina? So I yeah. think that their family is, is, you know, is not a diva ish in like, Hey, I need to play now. There's no Blake Barnett in him. I don't think. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, yeah. Luke may at Carolina was a reserve. He had a big game in the tournament the one year. And then, you know, the next year kind of blows up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
you know, I guess if you're going off of family history, I mean, he sat in, you know, in, in this age of one and done college basketball, Luke may have went, played four years at Carolina and waited oh. his turn to become the guy. So, I mean. Oh, that's right. He hit the game winner, right? Yeah. He, the he, tournament? Yeah. yeah. Game winner in the tournament. And uh, so, I mean, Drake may quarterback. He's what Myers park, I think. Yeah, he's a beast, man. I've seen him throw in person up in Charlotte uh, with you last year, Kev. That was a, a heck of a camp. Rock Vandegrift was there, recent Georgia yep. commitment. Uh, dudes are slinging it, and, and Drake May is physically sort of strikes you when you see him. He's a he's a legit, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe, and athletic. Uh, his release is a little long. He's got to fine-tune some things, but the athleticism and, and physical prowess is already there. Uh, this was obviously – you know, last spring. So this was before he was, you know, even a junior in high school. So uh, I think Drake's got a lot of potential. He put up crazy numbers uh, in 2019, and he's obviously never really focused just on football. He's a great basketball player, as you would expect, given who his big brother is. Uh, so that's intriguing, right? What is he going to be like when he does focus on football all in? So he's sort of the opposite of Bryce Young in terms of how he got here, right? He's more like DJ Uangaleli. Multiple sports, not the quarterback trained from birth kind of kid, um, but big, strong, athletic, and, and kind of like wows you a little bit in person. So I do think when Drake gets to Bama, if he sticks, I do think that he instantly becomes the second most talented quarterback on the roster behind Bryce Young, who's generational for me. So I, I think that'll be interesting. But uh, again, unless Bryce is the man and has – this year where it's like, man, this is, you know, Bama's in the playoff kind of thing, then I think, you know, he probably sticks with Alabama. But if he starts and has a Bo Nix kind of year, which is good, but not, you know, earth shattering, I think uh, he he, text, he takes his chances and bets on himself and still ends up at Alabama. But uh, I'm sure Mac Brown and North Carolina are sitting there like, hey, buddy, uh, Luke had a pretty good run here at Carolina, Sam Howell is entering year two. So he'll basically be right in that, you know, to use the same kid, he'll be right in that DJ on the territory where by the time he gets there, that top quarterback is in year three, just like Trevor Lawrence is going into year three with DJ getting there now. So he basically learned for a year and then he'd be expected to be the guy um, at Carolina. So I, I could see that being becoming a thing, but again, talking to the kid a couple times and, and the family history and, and the unknown with Alabama at quarterback on the field next fall or, or this fall, I guess we're in 2020 now, uh, I think is a lot. There's a stretch to, to worry about him at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mac Brown showing he can come in last minute and steal a quarterback. So never know. Ask Willie Taggart, huh? <laughs> yeah. Good he is at that. Ask, uh, ask FAU's new head coach, Willie Tiger. Man. That's, uh, uh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, Who, is, he, is he the second best quarterback in the ACC already? Yeah. yeah. Newman, Newman left. So Newman left. So, I mean, Newman I, left. Perkins, Perkins even, graduated. I can't even tell you. I probably can't even name three other quarterbacks. In the, <laughs> I don't know who Georgia Tech's quarterback is. I don't know who Syracuse's quarterback is. I mean – they talk two schools don't know yet either. Yeah, probably not. So I mean, Sam Howell is definitely the second best quarterback in the in the yeah. conference. I get well, I guess Derek King. Yeah. yeah. Sam Howell still the second best quarterback in the conference, even with yeah, the. Yeah, you might be right. 
You might be right. I mean, he had like thirty. He threw for like thirty-five and seven his freshman year. So I mean, you know. Yeah, you're right. Maybe could have. And really, it was the, the, the retired job if he would have. You know. Yeah. Gone besides LSU. Yeah. Besides LSU, he was the quarterback with the best chance to beat Clemson this year. Yeah, I mean, oh God, should have beat Clemson, but I, but I love that they went for two. Oh That's yeah, do right outside. Like, right you ain't out. gonna win that overtime. You're not gonna that. No, you know, no, you don't. You don't even give it the chance. If you're no. Carolina in that chance, you don't even give it the chance. No, go for two every time. You have no. You have nothing to lose. You already took number one to the wire, or whatever they were ranking that. Point. Yeah, you already took them to the brink. So you, you let you're it. Not you're, get him, you're not gonna get a better chance. Go ahead and go for it. Yeah, they got a they got a chance to really be an ascending team, I think, because the state of North Carolina right now is awful in football. Um, they got to NC State's down, Wake's down, Duke's been down. Um, it's pretty much them in Appalachian State, right? Like you said. Um, yeah. So Appalachian State so beat I, Carolina last year, so. But but you know it's cyclical there. So whoever's on top at that time. <laughs> can go on a nice little run. And I think the team with the most upside in going on a run like that is Carolina because of the tradition, uh, because of right now the coach. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think it could be sustained a little bit longer. So um, ACC a little more interesting than we thought. How about that? We'll see how that goes. I mean, it's still not, it's still that Clemson releases a 2020 schedule and God, I mean, can we just like laugh at that for like? Can we just laugh at that schedule for a minute? Because all of Twitter yeah, is it pissed laughing. off Clemson now too, right? Yeah, I mean like all of Twitter's laughed at that schedule. Um, I mean yeah. people talk, people give Bama the hard time about their schedule. I mean their schedule twenty twenty looks way better than Clemson's schedule twenty twenty. Hey, Bama SC game one, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That could be USC's offense can do some things. Uh, yeah, but like, I feel like, like USC is never going to be successful unless they get rid of Clay Hilton. I don't know. Yeah, no, look, defensively, they're going to give up points to Alabama, but this is the pack. They, they don't know how to play defense. <laughs> can they Can they get into the 30s? Probably not, but I think they got some talent, man. They got NFL guys on that offense, but they did lose yeah, their best yeah. O linemen and receivers. So they need to it's grab fun. a couple stops, which I mean. Right. Just saying. So, but I think that game, but this game one, if you're Nick Saban, um, first of all, congratulations on me and Nick Saban. Let me ride a jet ski. Yeah. If you're if you're Nick Saban, does the opponent game one, if you're playing Charleston Southern, would you be that much more likely to play Bryce? If everything's even yes. with Mac, right? Yes. Everything's even with Mac, like Charleston Southern, okay, let's play Bryce, right? Right yeah. against USC, wouldn't you be that much more likely to play Mac? Yes, if, if it's even, if it's even. Yes. Oh, but for sure. Yeah, you want like, like, you, you give him the you give him the opportunity to go out there and you give him that you know maybe first one two two series of the game, see how he looks, and then if he can't do it, then. Then at that point you look at turning it over. Yeah, like so if it's in like week week one they play USC, week two they play Georgia State. If they're playing Georgia State first week, maybe they play maybe they play Bryce. But yeah, that, that's playing U, playing USC uh in Arlington, neutral neutral location, I you know, I, I feel like you gotta give the start to the 
even if he even if he had you know even if you have every intention on replacing him series three you still give the I still I feel like you still give the the the, the experienced guy the nod in a remember big, that was the that was the game where Blake Barnett started, but Jalen Hurts came in series three, I think. And yeah, I mean that's usually your, that's it was usually kind your, of a wrap. Yeah, you usually give the the you usually give the guy one two series to get it in, see if he can get it in. If he can't get it in, series three is always the all right. Well, let's see what you can do. Didn't Barnett fumble like the, on the first series or something? Uh, yeah, it, was it, was, it wasn't good. Whatever it was, <laughs> it went from oh this highly touted five star to. To who the hell is Jalen Hurts? <laughs> the, the, who is this kid? Who's this black kid with dreads from from Texas? Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Did you up- see the video? I don't know if you saw it today. He's at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, um, and like fifty kids ran up to the gates because he was walking by. Every, I'm sure he signed every piece of everything. He was like walking on the fence. I don't know if he was going to practice or watch film. I don't know where he was going, but uh, actually, just popped up on my timeline again. I'm going to watch it on silent so I can give you the play-by-play. Um, I mean, every single kid is, like, screaming. This is in Mobile, right? These yeah. kids are are screaming for him. It looks like it's a private school. I don't know. And one kid is bawling, crying. It's a boy. I mean, he's just bawling. He's like, this is my dream. Like, Jalen Hurts, ladies and gentlemen. Incredible. Incredible. So, yeah, he's he's been quite the story in Mobile. Um, yeah, one I mean, of the bigger bigger stories in the Senior Bowl that I've really ever seen. Yeah, I mean, cool thing Senior Bowl does for him. They give him the they give him the half Alabama, half Oklahoma helmet. Thought that was pretty cool. Um, and, really you know, convenient that, too that the colors are almost the same. Yeah, and then they talk to you know, they talk to all the Alabama guys, and they all have the utmost respect for the guy. They all say, "Oh yeah, we still consider him a Bama guy." Like, you know, yeah. it's, that's one of those things where most of these guys that transfer out, people are like, "Ah, you know, good riddance, good, you know, <laughs> like go fly a kite." But you know, they still like, have like that. what Jared Williams is getting right now from Miami. yeah, what Jared Williams <laughs> is getting in Miami. <laughs> go fly a kite. Like, I mean, the the gifts are oh. pretty great. Pretty yeah, great but gifts. you know, the it, it just speaks it speaks volumes to the to him as a person and him as a man. You know what he went through. You know, sitting, coming in, winning the SEC championship game. You know, I mean, just big, big moments for him. And asked if he, when asked if he was going to switch positions, like they ask everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's get real, guys. Um, but, uh, you know, he said, I'm a team player, but, you know, I'm a quarterback. So, you know, yeah, no crap. Over, yeah. under six and a half years. Be- between now and ESPN debuting that Jalen Hurts 30 for 30. Six Over and a half years. So, so July, July 2026. Over, over under, that's the debut premiere of Jalen Hurts 30 for 30. From Texas to, I don't know what they're going to call it. To Carolina. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> um, I'm sure Matt Rule would be good with that yeah i still want uh i still want a 30 for 30 on the like 2000 what nine gators 2008 2008 gators whatever but that still hasn't happened and we're 
12 years later. But, no, um, I mean, yeah. That, that I, was a little harder to put together than the Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yeah, one of them. A little, little harder to produce, I think. One of the preacher, one of them is now dead. Um, but and everything uh, in between. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I will go. Are over six and a half years? Yeah, depends on depends on what what it come what comes about in the. Uh, what if he's the rookie of the year next year? Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if, okay, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll write it down today, like uh, January twenty third at nine oh one. That if Jalen Hurts wins NFL Rookie of the Year, we're having a like. We're having a full pod with Dave. <laughs> Where is Dave at? Where is Dave? But um, we'll have to get we'll, we'll definitely have to get that going. If there's a if he wins the rookie of the year, we'll need a I'll need a Dave segment on a pod. So um, I, think, I think he would actually eat his crow. I think he would. I think he would kind of bow out and say, "You know what? You're right. Yeah, He's the man. Yeah. Well, we'll see." Yeah, I don't think so. What else we got in the chat? Um, how good is Jace McKellen? Could he be in the running back rotation with Roydell? I like him better. Um, I yeah, know... I like him. I like McKellen better than Williams. Yeah, Why? I think Roydell. Roydell's classic. I think Roydell is maybe Brian Robinson with a little more juice. Yeah, uh, but I, I think Jake's McClellan could be his ceiling could be uh, anywhere from Josh Jacobs to like DeAndre Swift. I mean, he's yeah. dynamic in space, very comfortable on third down as as a pass catcher, um, extremely quick, got the long speed to go along with it. I, I really think that talent wise, he's probably the third most talented back on the roster behind Najee and Trey Sanders. Um, I, I think they got a couple of space backs to work with. So I, I think it's going to be hard for any of these freshmen to crack the rotation. Let's be honest. I mean, Najee's going to get the lion's share, especially if Bryce Young is your quarterback. You got to lean on Najee a little bit. Brian Robinson will be a senior, right? So Robinson's yep. going to get – he's trusted, right? He's gotten carries for three years. He's big, strong, physical, doesn't fumble. Uh, he's a trusted back uh, in this in this system. Local kid from Tuscaloosa, Nick loves him, uh, rewarded him, you know, with, with the number two duties this year. So I think he he tries to maintain that. And then Trey Sanders got to get the ball. <clears throat> so I, I think for any of these freshmen to touch the field significantly, it's going to take an injury um, at this point. I don't think either of the three is otherworldly talented to where you got to get him in. If Trey Sanders was healthy last year, I think he would have gotten some touches, um, but he wasn't. So it was pretty much all Najee, a little bit of Brian. Um, I do think this year you'll get both of those guys back, big, strong guys. And then Sanders is is not a, a small guy either. So I think the Bama, the Bama rushing attack this year is going to feel a little old school. I think Bama fans will enjoy it. It's going to feel a little bit like, what was it, Richardson, Ingram, uh, Lacey? That group, it'll yeah. feel a little. It'll feel a little bit like that, just in terms of size, power, and confidence. When it's when it's third and one, uh, any of those three guys can lower his pad and, and get you that, get you that yard. So I think any of these freshmen are going to be hard pressed to see the field. And I think Alabama recruited 
thinking that Najee was going to leave and yeah. that Robinson was always sort of a number two. And then there's a question mark with Trey Sanders with his health. So I think Bama recruited aggressively at that position because of those factors. Sorry if you could hear the sirens, but y'all know where I'm at. Um, so I, I think that's why they were so aggressive, but everything kind of lined up. I mean, it's not hard to imagine a situation, a scenario where Najee goes pro, Brian hits the portal, and Trey Sanders takes a minute to get back. We already saw Jerome Ford hit the portal, right? So um, it's not a lot of imagination to get there. So I think that's part of the reason why Alabama was very aggressive in its running back recruiting. And Charles Huff is a pretty damn good recruiter, if you he, if he hadn't figured that one out yet. Um, not a lot of people are worried about Burton Burns stepping away because of how good Huff has been. The top running backs are still coming to Alabama, whether it's Najee, whether it's Brian, Trey, the three this year, Keelan Robinson from last year's class. I, I still like a lot. Um, yeah. So I think he's, I mean, he's a year into the system and ahead of these three as well. So I, I've pumped the brakes on any of these guys getting playing time. But if it, if it did come to that, I'd actually go McClellan over Roy Dell in 2020. Uh, because of what we're doing in college football right now, the offense under Sark. Um, Ten years ago, I'd go Roy Dell, but in 2020, uh, I'll go Jace. He's he's that good, in my opinion. Yeah, I like I like. There's, him. there's a reason Bama pushed for him and not Zach Evans at the end. Yeah, just th- just think about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean that kind of that kind of wraps up what we got in the uh, in the chat tonight. Um, I'll uh I'll let you get on to your engagements that you got going on. And uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So I got uh, I gotta go on a show where they're gonna ask me about Zach Evans. So <laughs> nice. You got so, any advice for me? <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean just you know. Just pull your uh, I like the whole it might come back to Georgia again. So just tell me. Man, could you have I was thinking real quick before I go. Have we seen that? Well, Have we like, seen a get out of a letter of intent. No, I don't think so. Take other visits and drama and blah blah blah, and then try to sign with that school again. And the kid's not in school right now. He graduated, so it's, oh, so he's amazing. Like yeah, he's he's he can take a visit right now if he wants to. I mean, it's amazing. It's just amazing to think about. Kicked out of the state championship game because he didn't want to adhere to the phone rules of his his coach. Um, Dealt with injury. I mean, this kid is so talented. I mean, he's like Melvin Gordon. I mean, he kind of looks like him, too. Um, MVP of the Under Armour game. I mean, this kid has juice, but there's so many good running backs this year. but, yeah, can you imagine if he ends up back at Georgia? I don't think I've seen that. Uh, no. I haven't researched it, but I don't think I've seen that scenario or anything close to it play out. So he's absolutely the uh, bizarre case of the 2020 cycle. But he's so talented that people are making exceptions for him. So whether it's A&M, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, um, somebody's going to end up. All, all we know is that three teams have bowed out, Alabama, Ohio State, and LSU. They're out. So there's some other talented backs out there. Jameer Gibbs is at Florida this weekend. He's my favorite back in the class. He's still out there. I think people are going to fight for him. Um, but after that, Zach Evans is is really the prize. So I wonder <laughs> how that's how that's going to shake out. So I'll leave you with that. Enjoy. Yep. So guys, as always, we appreciate you coming in. 
hanging out with us. It was a Thursday night, and, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you. We do it for you guys. Uh, it's really the only reason. Um, putting out putting out content for you guys. So um, if you if you like what you saw tonight, if you're new, hit the subscribe button. Um, you'll get no and hit the bell notification. That way you get notified every time we post something on, uh, on YouTube. Um, we're still, like I said, we're trying to get back into the group of things and, uh, we just appreciate you guys being patient, um, with that and, and, uh, you know, kind of bearing with us after we took that long hiatus away and, uh, and we, we appreciate you still supporting us guys. Um, producer Kevin, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys coming and hanging out.